Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. I'm not going to uh, ask for a show of hands, but I am certain that there are some among you that came tonight but really didn't feel like coming, but just decided to do it anyway. And I want to inform you of something. And that is that if you're here tonight in spite of the way you felt, you're being true to yourself. You're being true to who you are. That is what is known, and we will talk about it again, or some more tonight. That is what is known as living by faith. Living contrary to your inclination in the flesh. Living contrary to how you might feel in your soul. It's not always contrary, but it is a declaration that says, I will walk in truth whether I feel like it or not. I will embrace the truth whether I feel like it or not. And there are things that God has given me that affirm the truth in me, and I will be faithful to those things whether I like it in my soul's definition, whether I feel like it in my soul's feeling, I'm going to hold to it. One thing I know is that Paul didn't enjoy getting beat out of every town he went to. He didn't say, oh, what a pleasure, I can look forward to the rods in Galatia. Oh, it'll be so nice fellowshipping with the beaters again. No, Paul knew what he would be facing in the flesh, but he stood in the truth of who he was and he went forward because the reward of truth is greater than the lie of the flesh. What we're going to talk about tonight in our text has to do with living to the law, law versus faith. Law versus faith, and I know some of you have already turned your hearing aid off. But that is really what we're going to talk about, and it is applicable even now to you. Because what we live to may not be Mosaic law, it may not be the law of the Jews, but it is the Christian image that we choose to keep, or what's worse, it is an image of flesh that we declare is us. It is religious sometimes, it is carnal all the time, and it is held together by the mind, will, and emotions, and the work of the enemy. And for many of us, that has become the law of our... You know, we find ourselves angry because of the perceptions of the soul. We find ourselves happy because of the perceptions of the soul. We live and float around in those emotions and in those thoughts. And we allow them to come and go. And the problem is, because we have embraced this image, we have more familiarity with the voice of the enemy than we do with the voice of the Spirit. It's pretty scary. We've gotten used to it. The law that Paul is referencing is the Mosaic law being distorted by false teachers. And it's used to control. That's the whole purpose of it. And the interesting thing about this is 
that they're teaching that law was necessary. They're mixing law and grace, which is not uncommon. You see it even today when you listen or hear it, when you listen to it on radio or on television. Some of the some of the pastors I highly respect, teachers highly respect, are constantly tripping over that one thing. Law and grace. It's so easy to kind of get a, a mixture together. And I think it's because we're so used to hearing it sounds right. But the, Paul is, is drawing a very clear contrast between the two, between the Mosaic law and faith. And here's the other thing I want you to understand, is that faith didn't begin the New Covenant. Paul makes that clear. We're going to go through a lot of Scripture tonight. I hope you have your Bibles with you. I hope you follow with me. Otherwise, you'll be thinking about your next trip to Walmart. It won't be spiritually edifying. The reality of it is we're going to cover a lot of Old Testament Scripture. We're going to talk about Abraham. And Paul uses Abraham and the Old Testament Scripture to acquaint the Galatians with the truth of faith. While the Judaizers had come in and used Abraham and the Old Testament Scriptures to try to push them into law. So... What you see going on here is is really kind of cool. Paul has the Spirit of God guiding and directing him on top of the fact that Paul was extremely well-educated in Old Testament Scripture. So he is a great deal more prepared to take on the subject than are his opponents. So you can get ahead of me and turn to Galatians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking through at verses 6 through 14. The struggle between man's desire to create his own righteousness and God's determined love and his loving determination to make man righteous, that began in the garden. It actually began in the garden, and it's going to continue as long as the children of Adam are still being born. We are born apart from God in the flesh with a desire to be our own God, to prove ourselves among men. And if we live a carnal life, the God we worship is really us. In the Old Covenant, God gave man a standard for righteousness through the law. God proved to man the impossibility of man ever achieving righteousness by works. Man had indisputable proof in the law of his sinful state and his inability to achieve righteousness. It was indisputable in the heart of every man. Yet, yet, among the Jews who had the law, it was something that was absolutely denied. They all strived. They all worked to try to achieve righteousness. Well, if you can't achieve righteousness according to the law, that leaves man with only one solution. John articulates that solution in 1 John, verses 12 and 13. But to as many as did receive and welcome him, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is, to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name, who were born 
Not of blood, natural conception, nor of the will of flesh, physical impulse, nor of the will of men, that of the natural father, but of God. That is a divine, supernatural birth. They are born of God, spiritually transformed, renewed, and sanctified. Do you know that yours is a supernatural birth? That's right. That's who he's speaking of. He's speaking about you. We, uh, we like to count our birthdays, and we talk about it here, but the reality of it is, the guy that was born on my birthday died. That's right. He died. Now, the Todd that was born in Christ is currently occupying his suit, and i got to say, he didn't take good care of it. But, one day I'm going to trade it in. I'm going to leave it in a goodwill box called a coffin, And then God is going to one day restore and make it new to suit the new man who is me. Won't that be a great day? Some of you say, I wish he'd hurry up. The problem with the Judaizers was not just that they failed to keep the whole law. The problem was that they did not see what the law was given to reveal. That without a new heart, they would never be justified. Nobody caught that. Just like they didn't catch Jesus was the Messiah, they didn't understand what the law's purpose was. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6 says, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants. That is, He will remove the desire to sin from your heart so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul so that you may live, that means ongoing life, as a recipient of His blessing. Now, you some of you might say, well, I don't, he didn't remove that desire. I still desire to do this or do that. Maybe I know it isn't right. Did you hear what I just read? I just read that he would remove that desire from where? Your heart. What happened when you became a child of God? You got a new heart. Now the truth of your new heart is that it no longer carries a desire for sin. In fact, it is alienated from sin in the same way that sin was alienated from God. It's not who you are. In, in flesh, it's who you are in spirit. So, it is the truth of your heart. It is the truth of your heart that you do not desire to sin. Everything that is true of Christ is true of your new heart. How about that? Can you wrap your arms around that one? The law was not given to save, but to reveal our need for salvation. We are not saved as one being rescued. We are saved as one being totally born anew. God didn't just pull you out of the mire, give you a bath, and set you back on your feet. God allowed that which was in the mire to die in the mire. And he resurrected through Christ a clean, perfect person, child for himself to love. That's who you are. Now, again, the text for today is Galatians 3, verses 6 through 14. And in our text, Paul is proving before the Galatians the hopelessness of striving for righteousness by works. 
The Judaizers who invaded the Gentile churches of Galatia had sought to combine law and grace and had been teaching that Galatians, the Galatians must have both law and grace in order to be totally saved. How about that? (laughs) These Judaizers were Jews who claimed to represent the church of Jerusalem. And no doubt they had pointed to Abraham as the one who had been declared righteous because of his obedience and circumcision and the law. And Paul is now going to use Abraham and the Old Testament to prove righteousness by faith alone. Let's look at verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, as conformity to God's will and purpose, so it is with you also, pointing at the Galatians. So understand that it is the people who live by faith, you guys, with confidence in the power and goodness of God, who are true sons of Abraham. That's who you are. Now Abraham, or Abram, as he was known then, was 75 years old when he first heard from God. And he... Hearing from God, he left the land of his forefathers, walked away from his inheritance, left the whole thing among men to follow God. That's in Genesis chapter 12, verses, verse 4 and so forth, for those of you who want to verify. Abraham was in his 90s when God pointed to the stars and said, your descendants will be as many as these. And he made a covenant, that's when God made a covenant, principally with himself, but also with Abraham. We'll talk about that. Abraham believed at that point. Abraham, uh, Genesis fifteen six says that Abram believed in, affirmed, trusted in, relied on, remained steadfast to the Lord, and he counted, that is, he, that he is God, he counted, credited it to Abram, as righteousness, doing right in regard to God and man. Now, as a side note, and we've talked about this before, it is in the 15th chapter of Genesis. If y'all haven't looked at that, you should. It's in the 15th chapter of Genesis that God takes Abram through the covenant ritual. And he, uh, he prepares the ritual for the covenant, splits the animals in, in two, makes the path of blood. And in order for a covenant to be confirmed, you walked through that path together with the person you were making the covenant with. That's how the covenant was affirmed. That's how it was solidified. And God made a deep sleep fall upon Abraham. And he walked the path alone all the way to the end. And here's the thing. God was not going to allow Abraham to commit to him something that Abraham could never do. God protected Abraham from Abraham and us from us. So, God committed to make Abram's seed when Abram was uh, to make, uh, make a nation of Abram's seed when Abram was about 100 years old. That's in Romans 4. And from that seed would come the seed of salvation, the Lord Jesus. Romans 4, verses 20 through 22 says, But he no, did not doubt or waver, he being Abraham, in unbelief concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and empowered by faith 
giving glory to God, being fully convinced that God had the power to do what he had promised. Therefore, his faith was credited to him as righteousness, right standing with God. Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Faith, hear me, faith came before obedience. Faith came before obedience because it's impossible to be obedient without faith. Okay? And the commitment of God was the strength of the covenant, not the commitment of man to God. That's also an important point. It's never our commitment to God that keeps us. It's his commitment to us. And he is faithful. So you see that Paul in this, again, is showing a greater familiarity with the scriptures than his opponents are. The Judaizers were probably arguing that if all the were to be blessed through Abraham, as scriptures say, and the way to be identified as a descendant of Abraham was the sign of circumcision, then everyone needed to be circumcised to be saved or a descendant of Abraham. The problem with that is, is that Abraham had not yet been commanded to be circumcised when he was declared righteous. Timing was off. The, the uh, sign of circumcision was given to Abraham years later. Circumcision was a physical sign that, apart from the obedience involved, had no spiritual effect. None. Also, in spite of that fact, uh, the rabbis taught that the patriarchs kept the law. Now, Abraham had long since left the earth when the law was given. And here's another thing people don't realize. Abram wasn't even a Jew when he entered into the covenant with God. He was a Gentile. Verse 8. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, proclaimed the good news of the Savior to Abraham in advance with this promise, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then, those who are people of faith, whether Jew or Gentile, are blessed and favored by God, and declared free of the guilt of sin and its penalty, and placed in right standing with him, that is God, along with Abraham, the believer. You stand shoulder to shoulder with Abraham. Now, God preached the gospel to Abraham, that's the good news. God preached it to him. And Abraham, he, he made the author, author call, Abram. He came forward and he says, I believe. I believe. In the same way that Abraham's faith was the birth of his justification, Paul declares to the Gentile Galatians, you too are birthed by faith into the righteous spiritual seed of Abraham. You have been justified by your faith, and those who live by faith are the true sons of Abraham. You have been birthed into the people of faith who live by faith. Now, listen guys, living by faith is more than just birth. It is more than just birth. It encompasses the whole of life. Our lives are defined by faith. And the two, that is life and faith in Christ, can never be separated. Those who are born have been born again by faith who refuse to live by faith are not experiencing life. It's just that simple. I said experiencing. I didn't say have it. They have it. But it's not doing them a bit of good. 
They're living just like the lost. They're living to the appetites of the lost. They get more excited about what they can do in the flesh than they do about what God has done with them in the spirit. They have more affinity for the things of the world than they do for the things of God. They spend more time listening to the world than they do listening for God. They do not walk in the truth of their union with God. They don't walk in the context of their communion with God. They don't understand the truth of faith because they do not practice the truth of faith. And I know this because I have led the throng. I know what that's about. And God has called us to a place of intimacy with himself. And the thing that we are to take from this life is the truth of his love, is the depth of his faithfulness, is the depth of his desire for us, is the interaction, the personal interaction that he has with us, is the outworking of his life within us, is the witness of presence inside of us and without. It is the activity of God himself that we have been invited into that we push aside in order to participate in the activity of the flesh. I'm saying this with a smile on my face, but it's the truth. Our lives are defined by our faith. Verse 10, for all who depend on the law seeking justification and salvation by obedience to the law and the observance of rituals are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed, condemned to destruction is everyone who does not practice, does not abide by all things written in the book of the law as to practice them. Now, to be under the curse of the law is... For us to be under the curse are to be subject to the penalty of the broken law. And you know what the penalty of breaking the law is? Death. That's in Ezekiel 18.20 for those of you who are looking. Ezekiel 18.20. That is why the law is called the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verses 7 through 9. That's Paul. Paul's letter. God has delivered us from the curse of the law through Christ because we could never deliver ourselves. Are we trying to deliver ourselves? I've tried this week at times, looking to deliver myself, forgetting the fact that I'm a sheep with a shepherd, thinking that I could enter into self-protection and somehow shield myself from something. It's the lie that the devil tells most often. And you know what? Occasionally, I still fall for it. But then I recognize the truth. You know what brings me to truth? Hopelessness. Despair. A sense of not being in control. It brings me to truth. And I recognize, I stop and I'm starting to say, Father, why? And then I know why. Things aren't out of control. God is in control. And you know what? I'm not walking by faith because I don't see the God who is in control. I'm not hearing him. I'm listening to the voice of the enemy and I'm declaring it my own and joining the chorus. That's not who I am. God has delivered us from the curse of the law through Christ. We could never deliver ourselves. We could not change ourselves and no man can. Under the law, all men stand condemned. God did not give the law to save, but to reveal. And I've heard many preachers use this illustration, but I think it works. A mirror 
is given to reveal. Now, you can look in a mirror and see that your face is dirty, but do you try to clean it with the mirror? Do you? Well, you'd look pretty silly if you did. The reality of it is the mirror can only reveal the dirt. It can't clean. That's the truth of the law. Romans 4 Verse 15 says, For the law results in God's wrath against sin. That's a result of the law. But where there is no sin, there is no violation of it either. I think some of us have taken that to heart, so we ignore the conviction. (laughs) You you don't laugh, but I've done it. You you just uh, ignore what you know is wrong and go ahead and go forward in what you know is wrong. Because where there's no law, there's no sin, right? Wrong. Wrong. As new creations, we are no longer under the law. But now it is written into our hearts. That means it's in our DNA. It's natural for us. Obedience is no longer contrary to our nature. The desire to obey is frustrated by the flesh, the world, and the enemy. But the truth of it is in us. In us. So I'm constantly being at war with my flesh, trying to impersonate me, telling me, that I want to do this or I don't want to do that, but my heart tells me the truth. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m., at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006.